0: Welcome to Puritans Read, where we read aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, episode 34 of The Almost Christian Discovered by Matthew Mead. Consideration 5. If you are not altogether Christians, you will never be able to appear with comfort before God, nor to stand in the judgment of the last and great day for this sad dilemma will silence every hypocrite if my commands were not holy just and good why did you not own them if they were holy just and good why did you not obey them if jesus christ was not worth having why did you profess him If he was, then why did you not cleave to him and close with him? If my ordinances were not appointed to convert and save souls, why did you sit under them and rest in the performance of them? Or if they were, then why did you not submit to the power in them? If religion is not good, why do you profess it? If religion is good, Why do you not practice it? Friend, how did you come in here not having a wedding garment? If it was not a wedding feast, why did you come at the invitation? If it was, then why did you come without a wedding garment? I would but ask a hypocritical professor of the gospel what he will answer in that day. Verily, you deprive yourselves of all possibility of apology in the day of the righteous judgment of God. It is said of the man who had no wedding garment on that when Christ came and examined him, he was speechless. He who is graceless in a day of grace will be speechless in a day of judgment, professing Christ without a heart To close with Christ will leave our souls inexcusable and make our damnation unavoidable and more intolerable. These are the motives to enforce the duty and, oh, that God would set them home upon your hearts and consciences that you might not dare to rest a moment longer in a half-work, or in being Christians within a little, but that you might be altogether Christians. Question. But you will say, possibly, how shall I do it? What means shall I use that I may attain to a thorough work in my heart that I may be no longer, almost, but altogether a Christian? Answer. Now I shall lay down three rules of direction, instead of many, to further and help you in this important duty, and so leave this work to God's blessing. Direction 1. Break off all false peace of conscience. This is the devil's bond to hold the soul from seeking after Christ. As there is the peace of God, so there is the peace of Satan. But they are easily known, for they are as contrary as heaven and hell, as light and darkness. The peace of God flows from a work of grace in the soul and is the peace of a regenerate state. But the peace of Satan is the peace of an unregenerate state. It is the peace of death. In the grave, Job said, there is peace. There the wicked cease from troubling. So a soul dead to sin is full of peace. The wicked one troubles him not. The peace of God in the soul is a peace flowing from removal of guilt by justifying grace. Being justified by faith in his blood, we have peace with God. But the peace of Satan in the soul arises and is maintained by a stupidity of spirit and insensibility of guilt upon the conscience. The peace of God is a peace from sin that fortifies the heart against it. The peace of God that passeth all men's understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The more of this peace there is in the soul, the more is the soul fortified against sin. But the peace of Satan is peace in sin. The strong man armed keeps the house, and there is all at peace. The saint's peace is a peace with God, but not with sin. The sinner's peace is a peace with sin, but not with God. And this is a peace better broken than kept. It is a false, a dangerous, and an undoing peace. My brethren, death and judgment will break all peace of conscience but not that which is wrought by Christ in the soul and is the fruit of the blood of sprinkling. When he gives quietness, who can make trouble? Now the peace that death will break, why should you keep? Who would be fond of that quietness which the flames of hell will burn in sunder? And yet how many travel to hell through the fool's paradise of a false peace oh break off this peace for we can have no peace with god in christ while this peace remains in our hearts the lord christ gives no peace to them who will not seek it and that man will never seek it who does not see his need of it and he who is at peace in his lusts sees no need of the peace of christ the sinner must be wounded for sin and troubled under it before Christ will heal his wounds and give him peace from it. Direction two, labor after a thorough work of conviction. Every conviction will not do. The almost Christian has his convictions as well as the true Christian, or else he would never have gone so far. But they are not sound and right convictions, or else he would have gone further. God will have the soul truly sensible of the bitterness of sin before it shall taste the sweetness of mercy. The plow of conviction must go deep and make deep furrows in the heart before God will sow the precious seed of grace and comfort there so that it may have depth of earth to grow in. This is the constant method of God, first to show man his sin, then his Savior, First his danger, then his Redeemer. First his wound, then his cure. First his own vileness, then Christ's righteousness. We must be brought to cry out, Unclean! Unclean! To mourn for him whom we have pierced. And then he sets open for us a fountain to wash in for sin and uncleanness. That is a notable place. Job 33 27 through 28. He looked upon men, and if any say, I have sinned, and perverted that which was right, and it profited me not, he will deliver his soul from going into the pit, and his life shall see the light. The sinner must see the unprofitableness of his unrighteousness before he profits by Christ's righteousness. The Israelites are first stung with the fiery serpents, and then the brazen serpent is set up. Ephraim is first thoroughly convinced, and then God's bowels of mercy work toward him. Thus it was with Paul, Manasseh, the jailer, etc. So that this is the unchangeable method of God in working grace, to begin with conviction of sin. Oh therefore, labor for thorough conviction." Three things we must be convinced of. My dear listener, he said he was going to give us three directions, but now we've had two, and it goes to three things we must be convinced of. I don't want you to think I skipped something. This is how the text is reading. Three things we must be convinced of. And there are three things we should especially be convinced of. Number one, be convinced of the evil of sin, the filthy and heinous nature of it. This is the greatest evil in the world. It wrongs God. It wounds Christ. It grieves the Holy Spirit, and it ruins a precious soul. All other evils are not to be named with this. My brethren, though to do sin is the worst work, yet to see sin is the best sight. For sin, discovered in its vileness, makes Christ to be desired in his fullness. But above all, labor to be convinced of the mischief of an unsound heart. What an abhorrence it is to God, what certain ruin it brings upon the soul. Oh, think often upon the hypocrite's hell. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their hearts are dull of hearing And their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted, and I should heal them. Number two, be convinced of the misery and desperate danger of a natural condition. Four, till we see the plague of our hearts and the misery of our state by nature... We shall never be brought off ourselves to seek help in another. Number three, be convinced of the utter insufficiency and inability of anything below Christ Jesus to minister relief to your soul in this case. All things besides Jesus Christ are physicians of no value. Duties, performances, prayers, tears, and self-righteousness avail nothing in this case. They make us like the troops of Timah to return ashamed at our disappointment from such failing brooks. Alas, it is an infinite righteousness that must satisfy for us, for it is an infinite God that is offended by us. If ever your sin is pardoned, it is infinite mercy that must pardon it. If ever you are reconciled to God, it is infinite merit, must do it. If ever your heart is changed and your state renewed, it is infinite power, must effect it. And if ever your soul escapes hell and is saved at last, it is infinite grace, must save it. In these three things, right and sound conviction, lies, And wherever the Spirit of God works, these thorough convictions, it is in order to a true and sound conversion. For by this means, the soul is brought under a right qualification for the receiving of Christ. This concludes episode 34 of The Almost Christian Discovered by Matthew Mead.